0: This programme was produced at and first aired on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand on air. Kapai Erarangi Timotu, MPR. MPR wants to hear from you, the listener. How can we improve your experience? What are we doing well? What can we do better? Head to npr.nz and click on the listener survey button to be taken to a short series of questions that will help us do better you'll also go in the draw to win a $50 Cafe Royale voucher. That's npr.nz or find the link on our Facebook page. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we talk all things property and plenty happening with regards news both locally here in Manawatu-Wanganui and also outside of the area nationally, and things happening all over the place that make for some interesting reading. And as you know, I like to browse through the varying articles, I like to do my research on the market, etc, and bring that to you in this show of less than 30 minutes. So let's get into it. This first article from the Manawatu Standard, saying Palmerston North house prices rocket up through the traditional election year lull. So Palmer's North house prices continue to rocket up according to stuff.co.nz, grazing a record high even in the middle of what would traditionally be an election year lull in the housing market. So the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand figures show the city's median price was the second highest it has ever been this September when it hit 575000 just $20,000 shy of the record set. In April. So, Institute Chief Executive Bindi Norwell said normally the market would cool off before an election while people waited to see what would happen. And I've been in the market here locally for many years, and certainly that is the case. Things normally go very quiet indeed. And in the wider Manawatu Wanganui's median price broke records for a third month in a row as it hit $465,000. And a new survey has found that housing is of more of a concern to New Zealanders than the threat of unemployment. The Institute's Manawatu spokesman Andy Stewart said the new record was a massive 24% increase on September 2019's prices as fierce competition for a critically low number of houses drastically shifted price brackets upwards. According to Andy Stewart, he says it's interesting to note only 9% of the Palmer's North sales were under 400,000, and 69% of the sales, it's over two thirds, were over 500,000, and there were eight sales in excess of a million dollars. Only one year ago, uh, that it was 26% of houses sold for less than 400,000. So really big changes there in the market, and so really taking off here as well. So across the whole Manawatu-Wanganui. Uh, real estate district in September there were 442 homes sold which is a 37% increase in the number of homes sold compared to September 2019. So Bindi Norwell the Real Estate Institute CEO has said that the record prices and sales numbers were driven by the extremely low interest rates on mortgages which are at their lowest since the Institute's records began in 1992. House buyers also had more money than usual making savings due to lack of international travel and others were cashed up returning expats. She says that you then add in the high levels of confidence in the housing market, the removal of the loan to value ratio rules back in March and people's fear prices are just going to keep increasing in the future. And this explains why people are going to such lengths to secure a property now. Of course the most expensive sale in Palms North in the month of September was a $1.7 million haukewhiru home. I won't mention exactly where that is. In other news here, uh, the Palmerston North Plaza shopping centre is available for sale. So this article on propertynoise.co.nz, which is actually a pretty good source of real estate related information. So CBRE has been appointed by Kiwi Property to sell the Plaza shopping centre in Palmerston North, the company announced today. The high-performing asset will provide investors with an exceptional opportunity to acquire the Manautu's leading retail investment, the article says. Strategically located at 84 The Square, Palmer's North, the plaza commands a total trade area of approximately 166,000 people. Located in the heart of the city, the plaza represents 80% of the enclosed mall space in the region. No other nearby centre offers a scale and range of major retailers, specialty stores and dining options. So certainly people travel from quite a way around to get to the plaza. Brent McGregor, who's from CBRE, he says that the plaza is an opportunity to acquire one of New Zealand's leading regional shopping centres. The asset offers a large total trade area with the closest competing regional shopping centre 91 Ks away. The plaza offers strong trading and tenant fundamentals, with farmers, Kmart and Countdown all holding anchor tenancies. National retailers account for 90% of the total gross lettable area and 89% of the income, and the major anchors comprise 59% of the gross lettable area. Those of you who are a bit uh, older like me or older would know that uh, in 1986 the plaza was built and it was extended in 1991 but then underwent that $93 million redevelopment in 2010 which increased the gross leadable area by nearly 60% and added 42 new specialty stores at that stage. Uh, That's not to mention the parking as well which has capacity for 1,251 vehicles. Mr McGregor says resilience of Two, coupled with its diverse and self-sufficient economy will be attractive to potential purchases. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here, let's watch that space. Uh, the, the income alone I read somewhere when it's fully leased is around $16.7 million of annual income. So I guess it's just a matter of working that backwards to see what that might be worth. And while I could have a guess in my head, I wouldn't be serving myself any purposes to um, to get that wrong. It'll be interesting to see where that goes and we'll report that back in due course once we know a sale takes place. Sometimes these things can take a little while due to the limited nature of potential buyers, of course. This article from scoop.co.nz is about the post-election period. It says, will 2020 post-election period see the usual effect on housing or will it be another anomaly? So it justifies this by saying that the last four elections in a row, the number of residential properties sold in the three-month period after the election has increased when compared to the same period prior, according to analysis by the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. However, with sales volumes in September at a 42-month high, The question that real estate agents are starting to ask now the election is over is is this the start of an even busier summer of sales or will 2020 continue to be an anomaly? So Bindi Norwell from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand said if we see the usual post-election sales rise we could be in for an extremely busy end to the year especially given how busy things are at the moment. Normally we see more listings come onto the market as the weather starts to warm up We're already starting to see early signs of this happening, so we have no reason at this point in time to believe that the sales volumes of residential properties won't follow the same trend post-election. She continues, however, if 2020 has taught us anything this far, it's to expect the unexpected. So there is a chance, albeit small, that we might not see an uplift as we head towards the summer, but there are no signs at this point in time suggesting a slowdown maybe around the corner. And here's another article that carries on in that vein. You'd have to excuse me if I sound a little croaky, by the way. During the recording of this, I've had to stop several times to have little coughing fits. I went for a COVID-19 test a couple of days ago, and I'm happy to say that I do not have COVID-19. I've just got saddled with the usual cold, etc., that you get this time of year. So we'll we'll crack on. This article from stuff.co.nz says, House prices set to keep soaring after Labor's inspirational win. Now I wouldn't describe it as inspirational, but that's what Auckland real estate millionaire Don Ha says. He thinks it will create even more excitement in property. So as you know, Labour won the majority of seats and is enough to govern alone. And Don Ha, the head of the agency Remax, said the residential property market was already booming before the election and a stable government would create more of the same because people could invest with confidence. I think that what Labor's done and what they've achieved in this election, it has inspired a lot of people that the impossible can be done, Ha said. He thinks it will create a surge of excitement in the country. I would say that the property will have a big surge coming up in the next six months. It's actually interesting because I was reading an article, uh, Bob Jones, of course, the uh, investor, uh, who was saying that there's going to be quite something different uh, next year, which will be a bit of a crash. So it's really quite quite hard case as to, to how things are um Coming through, but one thing he does talk about uh, that is talked about in this article is the possibility that the uh, Labor government is looking at regulating the property management industry, which is fantastic news because the industry is currently unregulated. And if we have time, uh, we'll get to that a little bit later in this in this recording. So, this article from goodreturns.co.nz talks about, in fact the headline is negative OCR still needed, according to WestpaC. In their latest weekly report, The Economist led by Dominic Stevens say the Reserve Bank will need to take further action due to a low inflation outlook. The view comes despite record growth in the housing market fueled by Reserve Bank monetary policy since the pandemic. The house price surge has sparked fears that central bank could overinflate asset prices in New Zealand with more rate cuts. Westpac's economists admitted the housing market developments call into question how much monetary stimulus the Reserve Bank really needs to deliver in order to meet its inflation and employment goals. And they, they said that indeed there are questions around whether the Reserve Bank of New Zealand has already overcooked it. So they're saying that uh, economists said the buoyant housing market was a mark against a further OCR cut, but they believe the central bank remains likely to pursue a negative OCR next year. So it's quite interesting to see where that might go. <coughs> Interest rates are already down uh, down around that 2%, uh, which is quite uh, quite amazing. Now talking about rising housing market, that can lead, in the view of many people, to inequality. And this article from newshub.co.nz says, A bad thing. Property prices doubling every 10 years increases inequality, according to an expert. So... House pricing doubles every 10 years, it's a phrase familiar to most Kiwis, and according to the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand data, it's true. For existing property owners it's good news, but for many more it means home ownership is an impossible dream. According to Ryan's data, over the 10 years from September 2010 to September 2020, New Zealand's median house price almost doubled, increasing 96% from 350000 to 685000 Properties in Auckland rose. Uh, Auckland City rose 138%, Rotorua 126.5%, Taronga 123. So based on Auckland's current median house price of 955000 if history repeats itself in 2030, property buyers could be forking out $1.9 million. Hard to imagine, but this is just based on what history shows us. So meanwhile, for those not yet in the market, the article says, house prices doubling every 10 years puts home ownership further out of reach. It's essentially a bad thing. It widens the disparity between the housing haves and haves nots Rashbrook says. Infometrics economist Brad Olson said, irrespective of the COVID-19 pandemic, housing is more unaffordable than ever before. Although house prices have doubled proportionately, incomes haven't increased by the same amount buyers may collectively reach a point where they can't afford to pay more, causing demand to drop and house price growth to ease, or they may change their spending, putting more towards housing than ever before. People are getting to horrendous levels of debt to manage to get onto the housing ladder, Olsen said. That's fine when interest rates are low, but if those mortgage rates do go higher, it does raise concerns of how people will cope with those costs. Although there are many factors affecting house prices, Olsen's expectation is that house price growth seen in recent years will level off. Quite simply, he added, the ability for people to pay the sheer amount of money on offer won't be enough to sustain those gains. Some interesting stuff there as well. We're going to go to a little bit of a break now. A little bit of music here on Property Matters. This is Phillips Phillips with Home. You're back here on Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson. Lovely to have your company. You're listening to Property Matters on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, Te Reo, Irirangi, or tangata or Manawatu. Lovely having your company, whether it's via podcast or here on NPR NZ on the radio. So we're just having a change of tack now. We're talking a lot about the market and so forth. We're going to do something a little bit lighter hearted now this article are lighter hearted but not so much for the people involved so this is an article that i found on stuff.co.nz in the lifestyle section shiny roof prompts neighbor to wear sunglasses indoors but owners say they did everything by the book so luan coburn says the glare from her neighbour's zinc loom roof in wellington's nio can cause migraines Shutting curtains, buying blinds and wearing sunglasses indoors are the only way a Wellington woman can hide from her neighbour's shiny roof. Luanne Coburn has lived at her Naya home for eight years. About a year ago, she received a letter from the neighbours across the road announcing they would be building their home. And while she had no problem with the build, when Coburn found out they would not be painting their zinc loom roof, <coughs> which is steel coated with zinc and aluminium alloy, she became concerned as she and her children suffer from migraines. There's a really strong glare that comes off the roof into our house for several hours of the day throughout the summer months. It's really affecting our health and well-being, Coburn said. This is the sort of thing I definitely try to avoid because it can trigger a migraine. So it does mean I'm in the house wearing my sunglasses and pulling down the blinds and curtains to prevent this from happening. It's not really ideal in your own home. Now I feel for Miss Coburn uh, because I've suffered migraines myself in the past and although it sounds strange, a glare of strong sunlight reflecting uh, can certainly trigger a migraine. There's a little doubt in my mind there. So it's it's a tricky one. The owners of the house, when they first heard from Coburn about the colour of their cladding uh, in October and November last year, they'd not spoken to us since Christmas. Uh, we, we were invited to come to their home and view and discuss this, however, due to the aggressive tone taken by our neighbours, we declined. So a number of phone calls and letters then followed, including threats of legal action, we found this very distressing and felt bullied. Our architects also engaged with them, which they were not required to do. They offered to contribute money for Coburn to get window film, but she said they declined the offer. They added additional planting to the side of the street of their home, which would eventually obscure the view of the roof. So painting or recladding their home was not an option as the product was not designed to be painted. Um, so it's really a, a bit of a tricky one there so I'm glad I'm not a uh, city councillor uh, with all this going on because it complies with resource and building consents in all local regulations. So Wellington City Council spokesperson said the dwelling was granted resource consent and building consent and complied with the consents. The roofing material was not in itself highly reflective, he said. There was glare, however, on honey day, sunny days during certain times of year and it was expected to diminish as the roof weathered. So let's hope that... Uh, goes that way. The council had used its enforcement discretion and decided not to take enforcement action. So it's currently getting a second opinion on whether that's beneficial or not. So a little bit of news here out of the election and this is something which um, may have slipped under the radar during election time. So this article says election 2020 the biggest thing the government will do that you've never heard of. So that headline got my attention. The biggest thing that government will do that you've never heard of. Environment Minister says a long-awaited overhaul of RMA's planning laws will put um, will is underway um, and uh, or will be underway shortly. It's one of the biggest things that Labour will do this year. So what they're looking at is the Managed Retreat and Climate Change Adaption Bill. I'll just say that again the Managed Retreat and Climate Change Adaptation Bill. So it didn't get a lot of chat during the campaign. In fact, this might be the first time you've heard of it. But there is a chance it could be one of the most significant and contentious pieces of legislation passed this term. This is an opinion piece by Thomas Colan. It could change parts of our economy and could lead to billions of dollars being paid out to New Zealand homeowners. So what is it? Managed retreat is the term used to describe towns and cities slowly withdrawing from the coastal and low-lying areas that are vulnerable to the effects of climate change. As sea levels rise, many of New Zealand's coastal areas will become uninhabitable. This presents problems to New Zealand homeowners who are stranded with expensive properties that no one wants to buy and to councils who will be faced with expensive work to continue servicing properties inundated by sea level rise. Managed retreat legislation is about withdrawing people and property from those suburbs. In a country like New Zealand that's no easy task because many people live close to the coast and some of the most expensive real estate is coastal. Managing a retreat from these areas will be uh, ethically complicated and costly, but doing nothing is worse. So this idea came from the Resource Management Act review, which has been done by the last government. It was a surprise recommendation and it was somewhere lost within the 500-page review which focused on the RMA. But during the election campaign, Labour's Environment Spokesman David Parker committed to the party rolling out the managed retreat law this term. The RMA review didn't go into great detail about what the new law would look like or how it would be funded. The government will fill out those details this term. But the key challenge is an obvious one. Homeowners will need to be bought out and moved on from land that councils can no longer afford to service with essential infrastructure thanks to climate change. This can be difficult, though, as the report noted, even in Christchurch, where homeowners were paid out for leaving properties in the red zone, many still chose to stay and fight. So there's obviously a number of choices there. Do councils bear the costs, Do central government bear the costs? Do you run an insurance pool? Those are probably three of the main choices. So that's um, going to be interesting to see if they set up a body similar to EQC, which would um, compulsorily acquire or bail out people living in affected areas. So the um, homeowners have known for decades, according to the article, about the perils of climate change, yet values in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch's seaside suburbs continue to climb. But millions of dollars of beachfront real estate is in danger. An automatic bailout of vulnerable properties could incentivise the wealthy to plough millions more into beautiful beachfront homes, while ordinary New Zealanders shoulder the cost of insuring it. Interesting, but I don't know if that would be the case. But certainly complicated indeed. Finally, just in a bit of uh, landlording news. A landlord's online course tells tenants how to ventilate the home, take out the rubbish and not upset the neighbours. So a landlord said she's received hate mail after setting up an online training program for renters labelled a new circle of tenancy hell by critics. The Choice Tenant Program launched on Saturday is and is designed to help ensure tenants understand what it takes, to look after a house and be a tenant the landlord wants to choose and keep, its website says. The program includes an hour of video modules and two quizzes covering topics like ventilation, rubbish removal and getting on with neighbours. After completing the two hour $129 course, those that pass will receive a Choice Tenant Certificate valid for one year. But co-creator Amy Cook said she wasn't prepared for the online backlash which followed the launch. We've been getting hate mail and we weren't expecting it all. This was all done with caring intentions, she said. Cook said she'd been a landlord since 2004 and had seen firsthand that some tenants didn't understand the basics of renting a property. It's not every tenant, but there are a lot who don't know how to look after a house. I've had an older tenant, she said, who didn't understand that ventilating the house would make it easier to heat because the air would be dry. We just thought we would set up a simple course that people could do online with no tutor judging them and relatively cheaply to learn the basics. This programme could also provide a reference of sorts for first-time renters, she said. The choice tenant was criticised after a screenshot of a Facebook post announcing its launch was shared on Reddit, where it was described as a new circle of tenancy hell. Even if this was OK, I highly doubt people who need to know these things would be the type to attend, one person said, which is a good point. Several others asked when Choice Landlord would launch with amazing lessons like how to organise a plumber promptly, how to do inspection without prying and tutting your tenant's lifestyle choices, <laughs> and the classic how not to think you're entitled to every cent of a tenant's pay rise. Cook said a similar programme for landlords was in the pipeline and Choice Tenant had launched first only because of changing regulations and requirements for rental properties. There have been a lot of rule changes for landlords lately and every time we thought we were getting close to launching, something else would change. We're expecting to see more changes after the election too and we didn't want to put out a programme that would be quickly out of date. Other criticisms focused on the certificate's one-year validity but Cook said there were reasons for the time limit. It's valid for a year because we're nervous about putting content in there that's not current anymore. We don't want to have people pass a course which says they're able to smoke inside the house with the landlord's permission, and then have the law change or so all rental properties are smoke-free a year down the track. So really interesting, that's called Choice Tenant. You can always have a have a look at that. Uh, interesting that they've just gone ahead and launched that. It's I don't know what sort of backing it's got, um, and... Uh, Some of the organisations like the Tenancy Services Division of the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment have said it hasn't engaged in consultation with Choice Tenant or its founders. Do you think that's a good idea? Uh, Tenants doing a course, um, effectively passing a quiz on how to look after a house, and then uh, that gives them a certificate, which means that a landlord can feel somewhat uh, reassured that this has been done. I don't know um, I, I haven't really got an opinion one way or the other on this so I just thought, uh, I'll just share that with you and we'll see where that goes. Interesting business idea uh, from that particular person and uh, we'll see what happens with Choice 10 and I might go and check out the website myself. So thanks very much for listening this week. It's been fantastic having your company here on Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson. We'll see you in the next podcast or next time Tuesday on empire.nz. Have a great week. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the kiwi fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.